We are in, I don't know, week two or three of the corona issue, and uh, this morning I have the pleasure of, through technology, we're going to uh, zoom in uh, the mayor of Garden Grove, Steve Jones, talk to him about some leadership things and about uh, what's going on from uh, our local government level and to get some insight into that. But before we do that, uh, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we are um, just during these times, Lord, where there's so many people who are hurting in so many different ways, God. We uh, pray for their families, those who are uh, out of work, those who are scared, those who are uh, trying to figure all of this out. We pray for the, the kids who have lots of questions and might be scared as well. We pray that you would um, just... Uh, Bring peace to the households that are uh, within our care, um, whether they're uh, in our neighborhood or around the country or what have you, Lord, that you would be the uh, one who brings peace. Even as we sing this morning, peace be still, uh, we know that it is well. And so, oh God, we just uh, look to you for all of that, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I am going to try to do this. Uh, here we go. We're going to patch in. Hey! Uh-oh. Can we hear him? Uh-oh. Let me see. Hold on one second. Oh, we should be good. We just tested it. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're not coming up. Do you have, are you muted? Let me see. Doggone it. We tested this. Sorry about that. This is really bad television, but we'll get it going. Uh, let's see. Huh. That's weird. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, there we go. What was that? Oh, okay. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, cool. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Technology. So I have with me, uh, next to me is uh, Mayor Steve Jones of, uh, for Garden Grove. And uh, thank you so much, Mayor, for being with us this morning and uh, taking up your time. And uh, so how are you guys holding up? How are you and Manny and the boys? Are you guys safe? Well, uh I took a shower this morning. <laughs> for, for you, I did that. <laughs> uh, up, and, up until this morning, I didn't know we were allowed to. They just kept saying, wash your hands, wash your hands, Steve. But I, I just asked somebody and they said, yeah, it's okay. So I, I did that this morning. So we're that's, good. Aw that's awesome. Well, it's good to see you. Uh, so just these are just a few leadership questions I have for, you know, all of us whether it's a pastor or a teacher or uh, you or a mom or a dad, we're, we all, we're all kind of leaders in our context. So take, take me back when you and your team realized that this was a real thing. How, how did you guys handle it as a team? How, how did you respond? For starters, let me just say that uh, Manny and the boys are doing great. We're, we're staying at home. We're eating a lot. We're gaining weight. Um, so we're, we're all good. good. Um, going back 
and it's just been several weeks, but I mean, it's been a whirlwind of seven, several weeks ago. I think at first we didn't take it quite seriously enough. It seemed like a um, kind of a foreign, distant, overseas germy thing. And I think we shrugged it off and we were laughing at the memes and laughing at people, um, you know, going and hoarding stuff from the stores and just all the kind of initial antics going on. Um, that changed real fast once we started getting educated and kind of getting down into the weeds on the data. Um, we started hearing about what happened in Italy. We heard about, um, you know, things in, in the state of Washington, just how quickly the contagion comes in. And the next thing, the migration starts spreading exponentially. But we all became kind of mini experts on um, just what this virus thing is all about and what it means. And I think our attitude changed pretty quick. Mm, yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. Um, now, you know, this is this crisis time and you're in a, a relatively high level of leadership. It's uh, Mayor Steve Jones is with me from Garden Grove. Um, what have you learned as a leader? Have you learned anything as a leader as you've kind of gone through these last couple of weeks? Um, yeah, I've, I've learned a lot, you know, um, I think at first, um, you know, I've got a wonderful team here at city hall. My, my city council colleagues all dove straight in head first and, um, we're just generous with their time and ideas and, um, resources and coming together. Our city management team and staff is wonderful. Um, we sort of set up a war room and at city hall and the city manager's conference room, including evenings and weekends, just trying to figure out what we do, you know? And I think um, at first we were afraid of overreacting. We didn't want to be dramatic about it and frighten people unnecessarily. Um, and then as we started kind of getting educated on just how real this thing really is, um, then I think we became worried, you know, are we doing enough, fast enough to um, really tell a convincing message that people need to stay home and, and really respect this thing and, and that it's real. Nice. Yeah. So, um, you're not only the mayor, you're also a, uh, a husband and a dad. And uh, for a lot of us, you know, now the kids are home and we're trying to manage all, all of that new context. Um, how do you balance your position as mayor and also as a family man uh, with, with now, now you're, you're, you guys are sequestered? So how do you do that? Well... Honest answer is I think I came to realize in just the last few weeks that I, I haven't been doing a very good job of balancing all that in the past. <laughs> um, I've got a pretty mean resume, but not a whole lot of balance in my life. So just within the last um, few weeks, I think I've had more hot meals at home, more uh, movie nights, more um, board games and stuff with my family than I probably have in the last couple several years <laughs> in aggregate. So maybe it's God's way of telling me to slow down and recalibrate a little bit. I'm trying to take that to heart. Yeah, I, I think you're not alone. I think that's a lot. I'll be talking about it in just a few uh, few minutes, talking about that very thing. So just finally, one last thing. Uh, you know that Living Spring has always been about Garden Grove and trying to do the best we can to be servants uh, in the community. Um, is there anything that we can do as a church uh, that would help you help Garden Grove out uh, in the coming weeks? You know, Living Spring is is different, and that's what I've always loved about you guys. Um, not afraid to roll up your sleeves, even before this COVID stuff. I mean, you guys 
lock up the doors and get out and go fix houses and help people and, and do stuff. So, I mean, I would say just keep doing what you guys do best. Um, go out and identify people who are struggling and need help out in the community and go help them and help them in a um, selfless and compassionate manner the way you guys do. Oh. Well, thank you, and thank you for your time, and uh, you are in our prayers as we, uh, as you lead our city with your team and uh, the council uh, people, councilmen, councilwomen, and so uh, just know that we're, we're praying for you guys. Thank you very much. Okay, cool. We'll talk to you later. Okay. All right, bye. Bye. Well, hello, kids. It's Moses again. Remember I told you a story a while back about how God called me? Well, this is a similar story because God is in it and I'm in it, but it's completely different. I'm leading the people through the desert. Everything's going good. They have gold from the Egyptians. Nobody's bothering them. It's all going great. And then one day they realize they're out of food. And so they complain to me and I say, what am I going to do about it? I'm just Moses. So I spoke to God, and God said, no problem, I got it. So the next day, he sends down bread from heaven, okay? And he tells them very specifically, don't worry about it. Just get as much as you need, and then I'll take care of the rest. What did they do? Not that. They took too much, and when they brought it into their tents, and they started to make bread. The next day, they were trying to hoard it. The next day, little worms went in it and it smelled. And I said to them, why don't you listen to God? So this went on for a few days. And then we got to the sixth day, the day before uh, what we call the Sabbath, where you rest. And God said, pick up two cans this time. One for the next day. But that can did not spoil. And then he says, don't pick up any on Sunday, the Sabbath. At that time it was Saturday, but let's not split hairs, okay? So he says, don't pick up any. I go outside my tent and guess what? They're trying to pick it up. Okay, I say, well, what is going on? So the point is, hold on one second. <clears throat> I just, I had to itch my eye. So the point was, look, God is going to take care of you every single day. Now, I know for you and for your parents and teachers and things are crazy, right? And you think, oh, I wonder if I'll go back to school and I wonder if we'll have enough of this. And so what happened was God told every one of us to take a jar of the manna. They called it manna. Manna just means, this is funny, what is it? When it fell, it fell like dew from the sky. And when we'd get up, we'd pick it all up. And then it would burn off during the day. And so we had to name it, and we named it manna, which just means, what, what, what is that? Anywho, so we were told to take a jar and to fill it with manna and to keep it as a reminder of how God took care of us. So maybe you, with your parents, I don't know, maybe a smaller jar, you take something that you're worried about today. What is school going to look like? What is uh, maybe your mom or your dad is having trouble at work? And so you put something in the jar. And maybe a year from now, you have it 
on your, by your bed and you look and you say, God has taken care of me. God took care of me during that time because I know this. Because of your parents and your teachers and, of course, your, your pastor, who's so amazing, uh, you will get through. And it will be because God provided you with what you needed. So, if you want, you can take a jar, put something in there. Maybe your parents, they put toilet paper in there. We know who you are, okay? All right. Well, it was good to talk to you. Hopefully, I'll see you soon, but not too soon because I've got a Zoom call in about 30 minutes. Okay, I love you. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Somebody has too much time on their hands, I'll tell you that uh, for sure. Hey, before we get started, too, uh, there's just a couple of announcements. Um, we had our children had a, a clean room Friday uh, they, they cleaned their rooms and um, they submitted their, their pictures to see who had the cleanest room. And so congratulations to Eddie Ramos, who uh, won that, gets 50 Bible bucks, which is pretty cool. And uh, so good, good going with that. And uh, we'll probably do that again. And then uh, just a reminder um, real quick about some of the things that we have going on at Living Spring. Um, if you want to talk to a pastor... You can uh, send an email to pastors at livingspring.com and there's a bunch of us on there that will get that email and we can respond back to you if you have questions, if you have concerns or what have you. This is a really good way to stay informed. If you text LSC to 31996, you'll get our text alerts. This is important if you want to join our uh, prayer meetings online because that's where we'll share the password to that. Um, if you want to talk to a pastor, you can call that number right there. And if somebody doesn't pick up, um, we'll get right back to you on that. Uh, obviously, you're on Facebook Live right now if you're watching. And so you know about our Facebook Live on, at 1015. But if you're just listening to the podcast, you can go on Facebook Live to Living Spring Church and we'll have our... Um, our service there. And then if you want to submit a prayer request, you type, uh, just send it to prayer at Living Spring and our whole prayer team will pray for that. Um, and then call each other. Take, take, take care of each other. It's, uh, it's really important. And then the other thing uh, that's a real bummer is um, this was the weekend where we were going to celebrate Pastor Jonathan moving into his next chapter of his life with he and Rihanna. And uh, we can't. We were going to have a lunch and honor him. And uh, so he has a little video that I wanted to show you uh, talking about that. And just so you're clear, for those of you who call Living Spring your church home, we will honor him when all this is over. We'll, we'll have that lunch. Uh, he'll come back. He'll preach a sermon. And uh, we can do this correctly. So uh, here's just a quick video from uh, Pastor Jonathan. Hi, Living Spring. I hope that you're doing well in the midst of this unforeseen, unprecedented crisis that's occurring in our world today. Uh, I've been so encouraged, so proud of, of you and your willingness to step into some really uncomfortable situations with wisdom, with boldness, with creativity, and just a, a spirit of unity. I've been praying for you constantly. Rihanna and I have both been praying for you constantly. Uh, just thankful for the blessing that you all are. Um, and just asking that God continues to do a good work in you so God can continue to do a good work through you. Uh, and, and so it's, it's with that reason that I, I'm so sad that this Sunday is going to be my last day as a pastor at Living Spring. Um, but I'm confident in you. I'm confident in God's work in you. And so while Rihanna and I won't be physically uh, 
present uh, on Sundays or throughout the week uh, on a regular basis anymore. I'm still a pastor in the Free Methodist Church, uh, and I've committed to praying for you, uh, regardless of our pro physical proximity. And so while Rihanna and I are currently unsure of where we're, where we're gonna land next, uh, our journey forward is an act of faith, and we just humbly ask for your prayers as we discern what comes next for us. Um, pastoring at Living Spring has just been one of the greatest joys of my life, and I'm humbled that I've had the privilege of working with some amazing people and being part of such a, an incredible church family. From the hospitality volunteers to the teaching team and the staff, from the, the students in the youth ministry to the adult leaders, um, from our small group that we were a part of to just every single person we got to uh, be a be able to interact with on a Sunday morning and worship with. My life, my work, my faith has been made better because of you. So uh, if you'd like to stay in touch or if you just need to reach me after Sunday for whatever reason, uh, feel free to email me. Um, my email is revjjpp at gmail.com or you can contact me via social media. Uh, but before I go, I, I've been thinking of uh, the love and the affection, the joy that, that the Apostle Paul had for his friends in the, in the church of the city of Philippi. And this is just a church that he was a part of at one point that he had to leave to continue spreading the gospel. And he offers this prayer in, um, in the beginning of his letter. And this has become my prayer for you. That, you that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. I love you. I hope to see you soon. Bye. Yeah. Um... It, it's been a joy to work with Jonathan. He is uh, a really great pastor. Uh, I consider him a friend. Uh, he and Rihanna are just uh, dynamic leaders, and we're sorry to see him go. But we're believing very strongly that God's going to use them in the coming uh, seasons of their life, and we're happy to be a part of that. We are uh, going to be talking this morning about uh, kind of like the children's uh, video that we showed uh, we're going to be talking about Moses and manna in the desert. And so what I'm going to do is we're going to go through quite a bit of a scripture because it's a narrative, it's a story, and so uh, we'll go through it. But in, in there, we'll find, uh, I believe, some tools for us this week as we begin to see things unfold. We don't know exactly what's going to be happening, but we'll see these things unfold and um, see how God is going to use us in the midst of it, and then uh, at the end I'll explain uh, this. And so what happened is, uh, you know, the, the Israelites were in Egypt, and uh, they were slaves, and they were being treated uh, poorly, obviously, and it began to get worse and worse and worse, and then God called Moses to come and lead them out of Egypt, and if you've seen the Disney movie, there were plagues and all these different things, and uh, God 
uh, brought judgment, and then um, not only did the Israelites leave, but the Egyptians had given them a bunch of gold and things just to get them, just to get them out because they felt like the Egyptians, I mean, that the uh, Israelites were a curse. And so this is where we end up. We're in Exodus chapter 16, uh, starting in verse 2. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Now, for those of you who are at home with your kids or you're in some type of leadership in some capacity, like we just, we talked to Mayor Steve Jones earlier in the, in the service, um, there's going to come a time, no matter what you're leading, whether you're the captain of some team or you're uh, uh, a grandma or a grandpa or a parent or what have you, at some point, people are going to start grumbling against you. There's no way to avoid it. It's called leadership, and that's what happens to Moses. So they begin to grumble against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died uh, by the Lord's hand in Egypt. And then he says this, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Well, that, that's just not true. That's just not true. Uh, but you have brought us out uh, uh, into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. It just seems like it can't get any worse. It just seems like um, there's no future. And maybe that's the way you feel right now. Maybe you, you're laid off and you're, um, you don't know what's going to happen and so you begin to say you know it would have been better if you know that um, if I'd never taken this job to begin with or never left home or whatever it is and you begin to grumble and so the Lord says to Moses I will rain down bread from heaven for you which is really amazing to me because even in the midst of their complaining God is gracious and loving and a provider the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day and watch what he says. In this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. Now, God doesn't use this as a test. Like he didn't make it bad for them. He's providing this way of escape. And I wonder, at least in my own life, if God won't be using this particular time as a test, not that the coronavirus is a test that he puts on because he wants to see how we'll do, it's just life. And I wonder if he's going to look and say, how are you handling this? How are you going to handle what is just life has brought? I mean, this happens to me all the time where I, I get to a place in my life that I think is difficult and I grumble, okay? Maybe against God, maybe against uh, those around me. And I wonder if God's not sitting there going, man, I just want you to handle this well. It's going to happen one way or the other. Just handle it well. And so that's what he does. He, he says, I want to see whether they follow my instructions or not. Uh, and then he says this, so, so Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, not Moses and Aaron. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. When we grumble against our leaders, in a sense, we're grumbling against God. Not because our leaders are God or anything like that, but what we're saying is, if we have the wrong leader, 
or leaders in power or the wrong boss or the wrong teacher or whatever, when we grumble against them, we're grumbling against God in the sense that what we're saying is, you haven't provided me enough to be able to handle this situation. It sounds like we might be grumbling against the person in leadership. It sounds like we might be grumbling against our circumstances. But in fact, what we're doing when we grumble, uh, I haven't used the word grumble this much like ever. Anyway, the, the, the fact is that when we grumble, when we complain, we're in a sense saying, God, you are not sufficient enough for me to handle this situation. And that's just the reality of it. So you might be grumbling against Congress. You might be grumbling against the president. You might be grumbling against uh, a city official. It's not working out the way. But when we do that, we're saying to God, you are not sufficient for me. I need the perfect person in leadership, and then I'll be happy. And so this is what was happening to them. And so Moses says, great, it's a really good point, really valid point. Who, who are we that you should grumble against us? Verse 8 says, Moses also said, uh, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumblings against him. He says it again. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. And so they go to the people of Israel with these instructions. And Moses uh, told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. A lot of grumbling going on. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. When you read this story about the, the Exodus is what we call it, the Exodus out of Egypt. That's why the whole book is called Exodus, uh, because they exit out of Egypt. We see God appearing at night as a pillar of fire. And we see him in the day appearing as a cloud and, um, to, to protect them. And so in the midst of their grumbling, hear me, in the midst of their grumbling, God appears. God appears. And in the midst of your fear and in the midst of you trying to figure out what's going on, how long is this going to last, what do I do about my paycheck, and those are all absolute valid concerns. But God maybe off in the distance or what have you, is there. He's watching over you. He's taking care of you. Now, this is, this is, this is really cool, this next verse, because it just kind of comes out of nowhere. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. This is like uh, God bringing Grubhub or Uber Eats. They, like, didn't even text him. All of a sudden... They're hungry, and quail just show up, okay? It covers the camp, and in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. Verse 14, when the dew was gone, these little thin flakes, like frost on the ground, appeared on the desert floor. So you, you wake up in the morning, you rub your eyes, and you come out of your tent, and there's, there's manna, or in Hebrew, what is it? What is that? What, what, what's it? And uh, they're like thin flakes of frost appear on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what, what is it? For they, they did not know what it was. Moses said, it's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. 
This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer, which is just a kind of a jar for each person you have in your tent. So God has provided this bread from heaven, this manna, and it's only coming once a day. You can't hoard it. Watch what happens. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the jar, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. God took whatever they had. This is so sweet. God took whatever they had, and he made it enough. Some tried to get a bunch and pack it in. They didn't have too much. Some couldn't, for whatever reason, they couldn't get enough or what have you, because as, a, as the sun came, it would, burn, it would burn off almost like water. And so, but eat, no matter what it was, it was enough because the presence of God was with them. Everyone gathered just as much as they needed. Moses said, no one is to keep any of it until morning. Okay, very specific instructions. No hoarding, okay? You can't hoard it. You, in other words, just, so this is the point of manna, of daily bread. Jesus said it this way, give us this day our daily bread. That's what he said in the, uh, when he taught us how to pray. Because what ends up happening, at least from in my own life, for me, when I gather a lot, I end up trusting in the amount I've gathered, right? For many of you out there, um, you're scared to look at your 401k right now because you had gathered and it was a security blanket and now that uh, might have chipped away. So, So the point that Moses is trying to say and what God is trying to say is trust the Lord daily for what you need. And so he says, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots. You see, you think the Bible's boring? It's not. And began to smell. That's gross. And so Moses is angry with them. And I can just picture Moses, you know, I don't know if it began to smell. Because they're in tents, right? So it's not like they're, they're in homes. And so I wonder if that very first day when they gathered it all... If the whole camp just stunk, if it just smelled like, oh my goodness, what is that? And, and it's, it was the manna. I don't know. Maybe I read too much into the Bible. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. When the sun grew hot, it melted away. It was very sweet. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers per person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. And he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is the day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. That's a good thing, by the way, just in case you're wondering. I went to seminary and I figured that out all by myself. It says, eat it today, Moses said, because today is the Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh, the Sabbath, there will not be any. 
So, listen to what God has provided to the people of Israel. He's provided them a promise that you're not going to go hungry. That, uh, and and you'll, we'll see later on that the, the bread was like, like little honey wafers. <laughs> so it's like even God made that sweet for them. Um, but then he provided something else. Rest. He provided a Sabbath rest for them. As we work through this whole coronavirus and all those things, we have family members at home that maybe we didn't expect to have home, and you know, we're trying to figure everything out. I wonder, as we look at how we handle these things, and maybe as the Lord looks down and sees to us and says, you know, what, how are they handling this? I wonder if we'll take advantage of the rest. You know, as we, as we were talking to Steve, Mayor Steve Jones, um, and, you know, his, I really appreciated his authentic response of, you know, I realize now that I'm with my family, uh, sequestered, we're having more meals together, we're playing more games together, and I realize that this is something that should probably move forward, that there should be more balance. I think God's saying that to all of us. I think God's saying to all of us, look, how, how are you gonna, what are you going to learn from this? What are you going to take out of this? How are you going to remember this time? How, how are you going to be as a mom, as a dad, as an uncle, as a friend? How are you going to be as a, as, a, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus? How, how are you going to take this, this Sabbath rest time, this, these, extra, uh, these extra hours? Is it going to be Netflix? Is it going to be uh, rich conversations it's going to be reconnecting because here, here's what I here's what I believe I believe during this time that um, marriages are going to be healed I believe during this time that um, relationships family relationships are going to be healed I, I think during this time we're gonna I, I pray that we're going to realize what actually is important and so uh, he gives them this food and this rest, all at the same time. You, you don't worry, he says. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they didn't find any. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? And I kind of feel bad for Moses because God says that to Moses, and Moses is like, I, I, I didn't go out to gather, but Moses is a leader, so he's got to take responsibility for what happens. He says, bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are. On the seventh day, no one is to go out. We are living that as we speak. We're in our homes, as we're doing the best we can not to spread this virus. We're being responsible and Christians, we should be head and shoulders we have the peace of christ so to be able to be inconvenienced is nothing new to the church so i hope you guys are doing great on that and it says this so the people rested on the seventh day the people of israel called the bread manna which we saw in the children's video what is it what what is it that's what it that's what manna means it was white like coriander seed and it tasted like wafers made with honey god is so cool he made it taste like honey that's great it's like uh, honey bunches of oats or 
uh, honey nut Cheerios or something. Can you imagine you wake up in the morning and you come out your tent and there's honey nut Cheerios on the ground? That would be fantastic. Okay, Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna, this jar, and keep it for generations to come so that they can see the bread I have given you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. In other words, save a jar, put it on the mantle in your house, and every time you see it, you can tell your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, God provided for me. So, I have my jar. And um, I'm kind of a sentimental person. I, I save stuff. And uh, so, when I first became pastor here at Living Spring, um, I had had a call upon my life uh, early. I went to college to study um, uh, theology. And I did very poorly in those classes, and so I dropped out of theology, and I went into a business degree, and um, I loved it. And then I went into business, and I did that for 16 years, but that call of God uh, never left. And so there came a time when um, probably six years into my job that um, this burning began to happen, and um, I felt like I was called to ministry. God had already spoken to Lisa about it first. But I didn't know what to do, so I thought I'd go to seminary. And so I have this card of this guy, Charles E. White. And I called him up. He was from the William Carey uh, International University. And I said, what do I need to do to like, get my seminary degree? And he said, how old are you? And at that time, I was uh, in my... Uh, late 20s, early 30s, and um, he said, uh, why don't you hold off on ministry until your kids are grown up? He said, five, five years is the average uh, lifespan of a pastor in ministry. Not lifespan, but uh, although it does kind of... Anyway, um, and so five years is about how long they last in, in ministry. And so I kept his card, and uh, I remember just thinking, it's taking so long to go into ministry. And then one day, I got a call from our superintendent that there was a church in Garden Grove that needed a pastor. And so they hadn't had a pastor for like six or nine months. I can't remember. And so when we got here, it was a big celebration. They were really sweet. And they, we, we sang Cool in the Gang, Celebrate Good Times. And they did a conga line around the sanctuary. And at the very end... Uh, where it says, celebrate good times, come on, you know, and they had confetti cannons that shot out of the balcony, and confetti was everywhere, and um, it's so funny, because if you're a leader, you're probably thinking like I did, like, who's going to pick all this up, so anyway, so I grabbed, I grabbed some of it, and this is actually the confetti that was blown out of the cannon when I became a pastor here, and this is a reminder, because I knew it wasn't always going to be confetti, <laughs> right? I knew that there was going to be grumbling. I knew it was going to be hard. And Let me just tell you this. This is why this is my jar. Not a day has gone by, one day in ministry, that God hasn't provided. 
it hasn't come the way I wanted it to. I would like $2 million uh, to just fix up the church, and I'd like everyone to be happy, and I'd like uh, uh, there to be unicorns and skittles and rainbows, and it's not always that way. But not one day has gone by where God hasn't taken care of me, taken care of this church, taken care of our community. So my question is, what, what are you going to put in your jar? What, what during this season, you know, the, the manna was designed to be a reminder of a season. And now we're in the midst of a season. We're in the midst, I would say, of an exodus, of rethinking the way we live, rethinking the way we, we engage with our spouses, rethinking the way we engage with our family. So what, what is the thing that would, that would represent this season of your life? I, may, I, I can't tell you, I can't even come up with ideas for you. Only you can do that. Some of you have already come up with it. You already know what it is. But here's what I'd encourage you to do. Put it in a jar. Put it in a jar. Put that jar away. And maybe a year from now, or two years from now, or almost 15 years from now, you'll look at that and you'll go, God is good. He's taking care of me. Might not be weeks ahead. Might not be months ahead. But today, as far as today, He's taking care of me. I never in my wildest dreams would think I'd be sitting here staring into a camera <laughs> in, an empty, in an empty sanctuary. But you know what? He's going to take care of us. I'm going to pray for us as Taylor comes back up and leads us in a final song. And, uh, and um, Lord Jesus, I just um, am thankful for the ability to worship through technology. Uh, I thank you for all the smart people that are thinking through all the different solutions that are going on. God, I pray for their, your peace and their strength. All the people who are having adult conversations uh, about how to solve problems, Lord. Bless them. Bless them as they uh, do this uh, process. Lord, I pray for us as we'd have patience with one another, that we'd have patience um, with our families, with those uh, who are, were sequestered with. God, I pray that we would do this well. God, I pray for those who are alone right now. They're not in a house filled with people. They're just by themselves. God, would you flood their apartment, their house, their condo, whatever it is, would you flood it with your peace and your presence? I pray that they'd come up with creative ideas to connect. I pray that we'd love each other and care for each other really well. So we thank you for that, Lord. And I pray, Lord, as people pull out their jars, consider what to put in them as a reminder of this time that uh, you would give them wisdom as they do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord Jesus, we are thankful that we can put our trust in you. Whatever we put in those jars, Lord God, we know that we are just offering them to you as a sacrifice, as a reminder that you have us in your hands. So God, we thank you for that. We thank you that you're faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we... Every week at Living Spring, we have everybody stand for a blessing. And so uh, we've been doing it online as well. If you're in your living room or you're 
if not if you're driving, okay, just don't stand if you're driving. But if you feel comfortable, would you stand up for the blessing? And now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his strength, in his boldness, in his love, and in his peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. We're going to be uh, interviewing Dr. Heather Brown and talking about how do we cope through this. And so it'll be a mix of theology and psychology. It'll be super fun. So we'll see you next week.